Hi, and welcome to the Thrive Alcohol Free podcast. I'm Dupe, Dupe Witherick, alcohol free wellbeing and transformational coach, and the best selling author of A Cocktail of Clarity How to Ditch Drinking, Embody a Joyful New Identity, and Thrive Alcohol Free. This podcast will show you that being alcohol-free is not what the traditional narrative says. And even though alcohol is so ingrained in our society that it is okay to give yourself permission to stop drinking if you want to. And you do not have to wait until you hit rock bottom. It is certainly not boring and I believe ditching drinking is just the start to living an extraordinary life. By getting rid of this one thing, it allows the doors to open to endless possibilities and opportunities. Each week, we will have guests on who are at various stages of the alcohol-free journey, from those who are curious to those who have been alcohol-free for years. We will also have experts on talking about different topics relating to alcohol and beyond. Through these conversations, you will discover what it means to thrive alcohol-free enjoy. Hi, so welcome to this episode. I am really excited about this episode because a lot of people talk to me about wanting to stop drinking. They they know deep down that they want to stop drinking, but their main concern is that their partner, their spouse is a drinker. And they have been drinking together and generally they've been together for a while. And so they're used to sort of dinners with drinks. They're used to Friday nights, TV with drinks. They're used to, you know, Netflix and chill and going out and socializing with friends with drinks and having people over for barbecues with drinks. As you can see, everything seems to revolve around drinks, especially if that's what you've been used to. And so I thought it was important for us to maybe talk about that today. And so I'm delighted that my husband has agreed to join this episode because um, I decided to stop drinking And of course, it was for me a concern that even for the 21 days I thought I'd stop drinking for, I would, um, I wasn't really sure how I would do that with my husband still drinking. So I thought it'd be a good conversation for us to have. So I want to welcome a very special guest to me, of course, (laughs) my husband, Nicholas. So hi. Hello. Thank you. Thank you very much. I feel privileged to be one of your first uh, episodes on uh, this podcast. So thank you. Well, thank you for joining Thrive Alcohol Free podcast. So, okay. So without further ado, why don't we um, kick off with um, what were your thoughts when I said to you back in I don't know, it's probably October, November time, just before I stopped that I was going to stop for 21 days. What were your initial thoughts on that? I think there was, I think there was clear resolution in your mind. You wanted to do it. And because it was uh, for something, it wasn't, it wasn't a a vacant and arbitrary decision. It was, it was a cause that you did it for. I think I thought it would be achievable. Um, But I, didn't really expect it to last to day 22 if I'm being honest yeah and I probably agree with you I wasn't sure it was going to last beyond day five but uh yeah exactly (laughs) um so you know from my perspective I said I'd stop and I remember thinking oh okay this could be quite tricky because you know we it was our sort of go-to we you know that's what we we did it was our way of relaxing together mm-hmm. and laughing and giggling and i thought will i be as um as fun and even for those 21 days and how would i feel about it and i think um you know from my perspective i thought you were always very supportive and you seemed quite you know keen to to just back me as you always do with everything that i all the whims and things i've decided to do over the years um but I don't know if you can recall, but do you remember how it was for you for those sort of first 21 days? Um, It's an interesting point because I I don't actually remember 
feeling like I needed to tiptoe round you not drinking. I think there was um it was a it was a build up to it. So it wasn't I'm stopping this minute and you didn't pour this glass of wine down the sink. It was, you know, on on whatever date it was, the second of October, I'm going to start. And that gives us sort of a week. And I do remember more than not tiptoeing around you not drinking. I do remember the oh well this might be my last wine before I stop or this will be my last gin before I stop and thinking we're building up to this and I must try and be sensitive post that moment starting but I doubt I was very sensitive I know that I encouraged you to go through magazines and get lots of um, replacements you know we thought replacing alcohol with something else would be a great way of, of coping with it. And you fell in love with some non-alcoholic gins and some non-alcoholic fizzes and some non-alcoholic wines. How did it make me feel? Initially, I was probably a bit worried because I know how determined you are to achieve. And you put a lot of pressure on yourself to do what you set out to do. And I thought to myself, if she doesn't do this, it's going to be one hell of a bloody miserable month. If she breaks at the first Friday night hurdle, it's going to be rather miserable. Um, was there any pressure on me? No. Did I hide my drinking away from you? No. We put all your non-alcoholic stuff into the cocktail cabinet and we made it alongside my gin and tonic. Um, so, no, I didn't feel any different. I was more worried for you because I knew if you didn't make the end of target, you'd go mad with yourself. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think, you know, for me, I, 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 so my recollection, it's funny, isn't it? What we, we, what we both recall, but I didn't drink, I didn't even discover those alcohol free things for at least a few weeks before, a couple of weeks into, into, really? the, into uh, yeah. the journey, because I was drinking sort of teas and waters and coffees. <laughs> that's what I remember doing. Um, but then obviously discovered uh, things like um alcohol free fears and alcohol free gin and um and that was a bit of a game changer but um but you're right I don't remember I wasn't and I know some some listeners if you're listening you may be thinking I just wouldn't want to see it I wouldn't want to see alcohol if I'm going to stop that's going to trigger me or I'm going to make me want to to drink I didn't do that I you know I sort of Remind me, was it in COVID or before COVID or after COVID that you stopped? It, it was the 9th of November 2020 that I stopped. So was that That's before my... the final Christmas lockdown? Yeah, so we were locked down depending on where you lived. Remember, there was that sort of regional... So when you came back from Kilimanjaro and we went into lockdown, you were drinking then? Yeah, I was drinking then. Yeah. And then, obviously, we came out of lockdown at the end of summer or something, and a little bit of autumn. So, so, so we, you did do Christmas locked down. So Christmas was announced that everyone would be locked down, or we couldn't travel and do our things that we wanted to do with family at Christmas. But then the official, the next official lockdown was announced just as the schools were going back in January twenty twenty one. Yes. Yeah. And then we were we were locked down again for. A little and I think there is an element that, you know, we because we are a tight couple, there is an element that are, we're very comfortable in our home and we're very happy in our little nucleus family. And we had got used to not commuting and we'd got used to our daughter being at home and homeschooling. And we so we were used to just us. So we could morph and flex quite easily to homework and we didn't have the the physical pressures of the outside world hmm. which I think for you particularly hmm. central London corporate environment a lot of hosting a lot of client that might have shifted how you were at home but I think it gave you a really good starting block that we were limited in our movement certainly limited in our influences that make us drink a lot yeah yeah I mean I do I do always I do often sort of think about if it was in nor what was normal circumstances before would I have done it would it have been um more of a challenge maybe uh if if I tried to do this a year earlier or something like that but at the same time 
you're still conscious of it because I remember going out for a meal fairly early on or going to friends for a meal when we weren't in between the sort of not being locked down, lockdown and um, and just sitting and or taking a load of stuff with me and not really knowing yeah. whether we'll actually get on with those friends. Um, yes, I remember. And, and, and when you talk about how did it affect, I remember the nervousness bordering on anxiety about those firsts mm. particularly the first that I wasn't with you mm. so when you eventually went back to doing something with work or it was a group you belonged to or whether it was something with church or something I remember you being very anxious um about I think it was at a restaurant and you you were ringing the restaurant and you weren't sure whether you liked what they had and you weren't sure whether you could have it. And this said low alcohol and no alcohol. And it was like, oh, my God, this is going to be a nightmare. But those first, our first holiday, I remember you being very nervous on the plane. So we used to pack you little contraband booze bottles. And, you know, the firsts, I think, for you were quite tough. And I fact, they that rubbed off on me. There wasn't much joy in going to the restaurant for supper. Uh, we were always nervous about going to friends' houses and we'd arrive with clanking bags of bags for life full of bloody non-alcoholic stuff. Mm. And that was a bit labour intensive. Mm. Seems a long time ago now because, you know, things are very different and you know a lot more products. But I do remember your firsts. The first night you had to leave home, get on a train, go into London to a restaurant with colleagues, not friends. Mm. You were very anxious. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is the thing. And this is something that takes a bit of time because you do have to get into your um, your new identity. And it is a new identity. Fundamentally, you have, you know, for me, I'd been drinking for over 20 years and all the associations that I'd made over the, that time. But just to say for the listeners, just to say I'm going to paint the picture. My wife was not a uh, a sozzled drinker. You were what I would class as a normal, moderate drinker. You you know you use the phrase like, "Well, I was drinking for twenty years." Well, you know you, we didn't live in a vineyard here, people. We were having a glass with our meals, and we'd have a glass now and every now and again on you know, Saturday nights or something. We might get slightly sloshed, but you weren't you you know you weren't a pisshead. You were just a moderate drinker. Hmm. And that, I think, is what then affects your identity mm. when you go out into the world and not be that. You were known for drinking very nice champagne. We met in Spain, so we've always loved a glass of red wine. We're both gin fanatics, so, you know, we liked gin. So your identity is challenged, even though you weren't a heavy drinker, I wouldn't have said. Yeah. Yeah, no, thanks for saying that. And um, I wasn't. And I think this is this is another point to raise, because, again, a lot of people think that they need to have hit a rock bottom or there needs to be a real reason why they stop drinking. And a lot of people aren't, you know, they're, they're what I would call sort of normal drinkers in quotes, you know, and, and there's the term grey area drinker where if you're not teetotal, i.e. you don't drink, or and if you haven't hit rock bottom, effectively you are a grey area drinker. So it's a spectrum, and of course it is a spectrum, and it's a very relative spectrum. spectrum. Because one of the things that you always said to me, and I know it affects you when you stop drinking, was you know the clarity, the energy, the better sleep, and everything else that goes with not drinking. But the spectrum for 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 me to describe you as not a heavy drinker still affected your mornings. You know, you would if we had a dinner party or went to a dinner party, you could write your morning off mm. because of the way you began to feel as you dare I say slightly aged. But those effects, you know, your everyone's rock bottom or everyone's grey is so grey that it's almost very subjective to each individual. I would say. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, absolutely, and that's something I I say all the time to. Um to to clients and to people who I interact with about this subject it really is subjective and what I want to get across here is if you think that life could be better emotionally physically socially in any way mentally without alcohol regardless of how much you drink you could have a glass of wine a week right but if you think it's affecting you in some way or you'd, you'd like to you think life could be better in some way then 
you should absolutely give yourself permission to take a break and see how I can hear a lot of people. I can hear a lot of people listening to this who will be completely on in your camp that had to give up drinking in a house of people that drank like you did. And I can also see a lot of people in my camp who are thinking, you know, well, you now have changed completely because you're no longer that person who dances around the kitchen pissed with me on a Saturday night, you know, at midnight because you're sober, but now you're more energetic. So you're going to need more quality rest and all that sort of knock on effect to it. So for me, you know, I'm quite laid back and, and I am absolutely adamant that it's my role as a husband to support you as you do me. That's what, that's what we commit to in marriage. But for a lot of people, I don't think that's going to be an easy journey. So for listeners listening to this, yeah, I sympathize with you. If your best mate, your partner, your your spouse, wife, husband has knocked the booze on the head, you can feel guilty or you could feel isolated or you can feel lonely. I happened not to, but I listen to a lot of podcasts like yours mm. and I know that a lot of people can. Mm. And you, you know, a lot, a lot of your clients or listeners will be saying, oh, you know, it's really difficult because I live in a house with two teenagers and they both drink and my husband drinks and my wife drinks. You know, that makes it very difficult, I think. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I thought it was a good topic to talk about. So maybe the next question for you is obviously this was only going to be a short term thing. It was only going to be 21 days that hasn't quite been the case. So <laughs> as the time went on, did that change how you perceived it, how you felt about, did you see changes in me that you thought impacted our relationship? I think that, I think with any endeavor like this, it would be the same when you started to train for the marathon or indeed when you started to train to climb the mountain there are some aspects of any endeavor that one person does that becomes infectious. You know, um, what we do in, in marriage, people influence each other. We, in the same way that we influence our daughter. We influence so yes, there were traits that I saw in you after three months, four months, five months that were contagious and were very influential, you know, primarily that sort of, get up and go energy and that desire to wholesomely rest because whatever happens it's going to be a busy day tomorrow that focus in conversation with people you know seeing you interact with people post you know three or four months of not drinking was completely different and that's not saying you were gliding through but there was a there was a glistening about you that that wasn't there for a long time that probably wasn't there in me for many years. But I think energy, conscious knowing about your rest pattern and getting up with energy were very influential on me. And I felt very uh, almost, if I could keep the gin, but have that focus and energy, I would have loved it. But of course you can't. Mm-hmm. So... That's very kind of you to say. Um, yeah, I mean, I... I'm not here to flatter you. I'm just telling you as a team. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. There are other shortcomings, let me tell you, people. There are plenty of those. Not all roses and beer and skittles. Indeed, <laughs> indeed, indeed. We can talk about those if you want. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, you know, they, these are all things that I, you know, I really encourage people to to take a break and just see if they see these benefits and um as the years went on so i'm approaching three years alcohol free and we obviously thought it was going to be 21 days um what would you say the biggest challenge was in though or has been in those three years um that transition i can tell you exactly what it is Mm. the transition the tangible the tangible transition from um fear of succeeding this is what i saw in you i'm not saying this is for everybody but this Mm. is the journey you took the fear of failure or success and the anxiety that goes with that the acceptance creation and living a brand new identity that wasn't based around 
a traditional perception of you. Mm. And then this pride, you know, you are extraordinarily proud now to say, no, no, I don't drink, thank you. And that's not a, that's not an aside anymore. That's not, oh, no, not for me. I don't drink. That's a very proud, no, I do not drink. And I'm grounded and proud and pleased and evidenced in why I don't drink. Mm. And that transition is, it's palpable. It's, it's tangible. Yeah, really interesting. And I think um, it is a journey. It is a journey. And I think people that are in their early, if you're in your early days of not drinking or you're about to take a break, um, just remember it's it's a process and you need to really trust the process. And as you go through the journey, you do change, but there are challenges and there are ups and downs and you do question as well whether this is the right thing to do. And I certainly didn't think that I was going to stop drinking for as long as I have done. There was certainly no forever in mind. I thought I'll do the 21 days and then 21 days sort of led on. And it's because of all the wonderful things that came my way along the way, which is why I've got to the point now where it'd be like, well, I could have a drink, but why would I want to do that? Yes. Yes. I. Why would I want to is, is where you are. And that is, you know, that element now you're so grounded in it is what is contagious. So it was really exciting, I think. So we, we were going along. I was doing my thing. I was sort of, as you say, running and doing yoga. And then I tra trained and qualified to be a coach. And then I did my sober club coach training and um, all of that. And uh, you, from my perspective, were just living you and doing your life and still with 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 alcohol um and i remember feeling if i if i reflect on where i was at the beginning certainly i was worried that we would maybe find that we haven't got anything in common or that we <laughs> we were not actually suited to each other or <laughs> you know I was I remember being bored that's just a general trend you'll you will find that when you when you take a break you do find yourself feeling a bit bored because you suddenly realize you have all this time on your hands and so for me it was sort of like okay well you're watching telly you're watching telly with the with a drink in hand I don't want to do that I'm going to go upstairs and I'm going to read you know and I'm going to do something else um and that's important I think that's a really important stage if you deny yourself that you will live in denial you know if you had said I'm going to sit here and I'm going to watch him drink all that would have brought you was more anxiety mm -hmm. you know your anxiety didn't come in every day your anxiety came when you were going out for things and doing things mm -hmm. and people meeting people other than me but had you sat and done that I'm sure you would have eventually either resented me drinking mm. or given up you had mm. to consciously say i need to remove myself from this just for an hour just mm. for two hours and then come back mm. and i think that's an important part of it look mm. where you are now mm. yeah yeah so so if you're listening and you're just thinking well i can't do this or i don't want to do this because of someone else I'd like you to just think about where will your life be in the next sort of five years, 10 years, if you don't do this, if this is something you think you want to do. And if you think you can't do it for somebody else, what does that really, what what does that mean to you? And And is there a way of you just thinking about some of the benefits you could see by taking this step? And I think if you also... look at the fact that there is nothing, you know, there is no possible way that the role you have as a parent is based on alcohol. The role you have with your school is not based on alcohol. The role you have with your hobbies and skills is not really based on alcohol. Your marriage, therefore, or partnership can't be based on alcohol. We fear it is. You know, you just said it. I'd be worried if I was bored of you, if I saw you sober too many days. You probably are. But I think, you know, nothing that you do is based on alcohol. And the things that we do do that are based on alcohol are absolute leisure. 
They're not crucial. Parenting is crucial. Our relationship with our children's school is crucial. Where we put our effort and our money and our leisure time is crucial. Where we work is crucial. None of that is based on alcohol. So to say, I can't do it because somebody in my house drinks, you can do it. You just need a strategy. You know, to say, I can't do it because, you know, that means I can't play darts in the pub. Well, you can do it. You just need a strategy to cope with it. You know, and that's what you've shown me. Everything you said, you know, I didn't want to sit there and watch the same crap you're watching while you're pouring gin down here. So I created a strategy and that was to read. I could be in the same room. I could be in another room, but I would read for that hour to take my mind off it. And I think that's key. And so we mustn't be frightened of that, I don't think. Whatever happens and however you feel, you can't deny it. We can't deny it. You just need a coping strategy, which is why things like Thrive Alcohol Free um, as a company helps people just put that strategy in place. Hmm. I'm not advertising you. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, absolutely agree. And it is all about having a plan. And I... I truly believe that if you are prepped for these situations, you think about, you play it forward and you think, okay, if I, if I'm saying to myself, I want, I don't want to drink tonight, play it forward to the next morning. If you did have a drink, how would you feel? What would the, what would your reaction be? Versus if you didn't, how proud will you feel and how amazing will it be that you actually achieved it and maybe have something in place for the morning so that, you have something to get up and go for that you're looking forward to, which will then encourage, discourage you to, to drink. Um, and of course there are lots of tips and tricks that, that, um, that I will share as we keep going through this podcast. And so for me, what was absolutely amazing and I'm going to, I'm, I've been bursting to say it, but I can find, I'm going to say it now and we can talk about it was that, I celebrated two years alcohol-free on the 9th of November last year. And then a couple of weeks later, you made an announcement, husband. What what was it? I wasn't pregnant. No, you're right. Uh, Yes, I stopped. I stopped drinking and smoking on the same day. And what was the reason for you to suddenly decide that that's what you wanted to do i'd had enough of smoking i'd smoked for 25 years cigars and before that a pipe and i just literally had had enough of smoking alcohol was pushing the limits of what people could possibly say was a gray area drinker and it was beginning to affect uh, the way i perceived things it affected probably my emotional capabilities and how I manage my emotions it was beginning to affect my I think clear to say my relationship with you um, it affected the basic skills of patience or compassion uh, and that was the only cause of it it wasn't stress at work it wasn't stress of marriage it wasn't financial stress it was just the eventual effect that uh, over grey drinkers get, I think. And I thought nothing is more important, nothing is l- less important in my life than alcohol. So enough. I went cold turkey like you did, but I didn't have a 21-day in my head. I had a, that'll do me forever now. And it's strange, I think, the way that both you and I went about it. You have complete self-discipline and self-control and you are a go-getter and extraordinarily successful and managed to not drink cold turkey while your husband was pouring gin down his neck i then literally stepped into i stepped out my little ego bubble into a world that was already alcohol free which was amazing for me so i didn't have the i can't give up because someone else is drinking in my house i actually had the opposite of that is I want to join that club of people that aren't drinking, primarily my wife. I want to be in that world, not this world, which was actually just me. There was nobody else in it. I wasn't commuting to London. I was working for myself. You know, I wasn't particularly seeing many people. You don't go to church and get sloshed. So, you know, it was it was just me in this little world of intense drinking. So enough was enough. And I, I called it spot. And can I ask, how did you feel about that? And you said it was, for you, it was forever. It wasn't a, 
I'm going to stop for X number of days. Um, what? How did you sort of go about it? And what tips do you maybe have for anyone who's listening, who's thinking that they're ready to, to make that step? Well, living with you, I was probably um, already under the impression that certain things were going to happen. And if you read a lot of literature, they're going to tell you that you are going to encounter lots of things as your body morphs into this new, obviously there's not just the emotional aspect and the, you know, the, the habitual in, uh, in intrinsic aspect, your mental and psychological aspect. There's also the physical aspect of suddenly stopping a lot of sugar getting in your body. And the only thing I found as a side effect of not drinking is I've become mildly more rotund and I think if you stop smoking and stop drinking on the same day, 12 months later, I'll be 12 months in November, then you can find that the buttons on the shirt are a little tighter than one is used to. But the upside was I didn't have any sleep transition difficulty. I didn't actually have any craving for alcohol because I had decided that it was not important enough to want anymore. That is a mindset. It was a Mind Valley mindset. This stuff is no longer important in maintaining the other aspects of my life. My marriage, my parenting, my work, launching my own company. It's not important enough to feature. I haven't gone through all the firsts yet. I haven't gotten an aeroplane yet. I haven't sat on a beach yet on an all-inclusive five-star resort where it's on tap. Um, I haven't been to a wedding as a best man and had to speak at a, a family event i haven't been to anything that you traditionally like a 21st or you know i've done christmas easy for me done birthday easy for me uh, but there are some things that i haven't done so i'm still waiting to and i can let you know if we go away at christmas how i fare on a 13 hour flight um but i'm not worried about it and interestingly unlike you I haven't got into the non-alcoholic stuff. I literally just substituted everything with a cordial and, and soda water. I drink a lot of herbal tea now. I cut down on coffee and I have a pint of coffee a day. But I have a lot of herbal tea. And in the evening, in an adult's glass, I have a couple of cubes of ice, some cordial and some soda and some a sprig of fresh mint or something. And I drink a few of those. So... I I still drink, but I don't trick my mind as it would be for me. I'm not saying, you know, I think it's a great, it, it works for people and it and it feels good. You know, I do drink the odd non-alcoholic red wine, but for me, I didn't want to deceive my mind. I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I wanted to stop that season of my life. I wanted to say that and everything associated with it is done. And so everything was new. Going out of the house for the first time was new. Going to the restaurant the first time was new. Meeting meeting anybody was new because I didn't want to associate anything with that drinking. It was a very, it's a very strange concept, but there'll be people out there who go, yeah, I don't want to, you, the dog's died, so I don't keep the dog's bed in the corner of the room to remind me. I'll know what the dog is like. You know? So I get rid of all that paraphernalia. And that's what I've done with drinking. We've kept the cocktail cabinets full of soda and lime and, you know, your non-alcoholic gin and tonic still, but it's got no booze in it. And so I eradicated that association and replaced it completely with something else. Sorry, I went on a bit there. No, I think that's really useful. Um, really useful because a lot of people do, there, there are two camps really. There's the camp of the people who want to keep the ritual and change the ingredient and mm -hmm. sort of have something that's alcohol free but there are others who will just not go there and so it was interesting hearing your perspective and i think one of the key one of the key aspects of that is you've got to know what your ritual is and that's for people who can say you know when does the want and desire to intake alcohol hit me and if i looked at the ritual and changed the ingredient i'd be drinking lime and soda all day and that's the problem. It's the ritual I wanted to break. If I break the ritual, I'll break the habit. If I break the habit, I'll break the connection. 
So you've got to find a new ritual. I had to find a new ritual. Mm. So that wasn't coming home and immediately pouring a gin and tonic. It wasn't thinking, I've just had an argument with a very independent and confident nine-year-old daughter. I'm going to have a gin and tonic. It wasn't Sunday lunch. Thinking, I needed to break that ritual. So I couldn't look at, keep the ritual change ingredient. I needed to change so much associated with my associations with alcohol. Yeah, really interesting. Really interesting. And so I think, you know, hopefully what we're showing here is that there's no right or wrong and you really just need to do what's what works for you. Mm. Um, and even in the same household, you know, we do we've we've approached it very differently when it comes to to being alcohol free. So what would you say uh, your key, your sort of top highlights or benefits that you've seen since ditching drinking? Uh, three things. I think in, in exactly the same way for those people that have um, given up smoking, for those people that have trained to achieve like a marathon or learned a new skill like playing the piano, you know, every time somebody sits down at a piano, they're going to feel so proud. Every time you stand in an environment with dear dear friends who still smoke and you don't you feel so proud and i feel very proud i've stopped drinking and and i and i i want that to be contagious for people you know run for pride if nothing else don't run for you doing it for anybody else but you're doing it for you so you can be proud of what you've done second thing unlimited energy i have a lot of energy and you know in the past 10 weeks i had a leg injury and i've been laid up fairly much but it's been very frustrating because i feel like i have an extraordinary amount of focus and energy and the last thing is conscious you are you are conscious you're engaging i'm inquisitive i'm curious i'm interested i've suddenly discovered after not drinking for 11 months that i don't have a single hobby left in my life I used to go pheasant shooting. I used to play the piano a lot more. I used to cycle a lot more. I used to play golf a lot more. Now I don't do anything. And that has been slowly eroded by what I thought was this amazing hobby of, of pouring gin and tonic down my neck. So I'm really looking forward now when the healing finishes in my leg to go pick up my golf clubs, which I'm staying at in the corner of my office now, and go and have a round of golf and find those things that I was passionate about. And that's still part of a journey to go. Mm. Yeah, and that's something that I think people, the two things, it's purpose. People suddenly discover that they've got a per, more of a purpose in life. And they also think about what are those passions and hobbies that they maybe used to enjoy that they'd stopped mm. or what, what are the new ones that they want to start doing. It always amazes me how many alcohol-free people I know who now do cold water swimming. And uh, I don't know if that appeals to you at all, hubby. No. <laughs> Not in any shape or form. But that's, uh, that's something that seems to have be become a bit of a trend. Um, okay, so, so, all right, so closing thoughts, and I'm going to ask every guest this question. Um what does thriving alcohol-free mean to you? Unlimited potential. You know, I... Um, you have to fight the... Uh, not regret, but you have to fight the emotion that will come in where you think, what have I done with my life for 12 years or 15 years or 20 years? You know, certainly the last five, four or five years... I think, what have I done? Have I reached my potential? And the answer is definitely, not probably, not, well, maybe. No, it is definitely no. To thrive alcohol-free is that absolute knowledge that if I set my mind to it, I can achieve it. You know, I've in, in the last year, I've written a book. I've started a podcast. I've launched a business. I have, you know, unlimited potential none of which i would have done had the inclination to do had the energy to do had the focus to do i know without saying this thing is beginning to impede what i remember my potential was as a 23 year old a 24 year old i was unstoppable and that's slowly been eroded so to thrive is just really getting back on that track of saying sky's the limit the sky's the limit. Might be hard work, might take a lot of hours, might be bloody expensive, might take me 10 years. 
but I'm going to do it. And it's not fobbing yourself off thinking I'm going to do it tomorrow, which is what you do when you start having a drink. What I did when I started having a drink, I'll do it tomorrow. I did it. Oh, I'm going to reward myself. I've just got out of bed. I'm going to reward myself. No, the potential you have, people listening to this, is unlimited when you have that clarity of thought and heart and mind, which only comes when you ditch drinking. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Because I do, you know, I, I, I'm listening to you and just thinking, I've seen such a shift in the past 10, 10 I thought months. you said I've seen such a shit. <laughs> shift <laughs> in the past 10, 11 months um, in you. And it is just night and day. And I'm extremely proud of you because you have done something that I never thought you'd ever do and I always thought I would be on my own on this this alcohol free <laughs> journey even though I could see how wonderful it was and I was willing for you to to join me and... there are lots of things in life you know where people say oh you're an amazing speaker or you're very funny or you go oh no no oh please oh no 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 when people say to me I'm really proud of you for not drinking I say thank you because I am also very proud so people you must you know, if if you if nothing else you take from listening to people who have gone through this transition of saying that's not important enough to rule my life then you must be bloody proud when you start that journey never mind when you finish it because every day is a every day is a day where you decide to be focused and decide to be you know living your potential you decide to thrive it's a decision you make every day but when you start day one when you make that decision be proud be proud of yourself yeah and as you know, we we mentioned we mentioned the corporate world and the fact that it's so ingrained in society. And obviously, as a leadership coach, you're I'm sure you're you know you you see this all the time with your clients. And hmm. um, you know, you, I know you don't really talk about being alcohol free with them, but have you? Is there anything that? you think has changed with your coaching now that you're alcohol free um or any yes any more definitely. insight that you can yeah i think what i think one of the things i'm beginning to see as a leadership coach is this whole question around what motivates people whether you're in leadership or fellowship you have to decide how to motivate people and what motivates you what motivates oneself and traditionally, celebrations have motivated people. I was only talking to my sister yesterday. She lives in Tavistock in Devon. And she texted me to say, I'm out on the annual works karaoke do. Have you got any good songs I can sing in the microphone? And I can, I can, I can see it. I can see, you know, this is a, 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 a charity, a firm charity. And they've taken everybody out to a karaoke bar open bar and i'm seeing more and more as a leadership coach that this is not motivating people anymore what is motivating people is the acknowledgement the recognition and the reward for being authentically you and so if i'm being authentically me you know a night out on the lash is not going to motivate me to push myself to be loyal to be engaged to be passionate to be trustworthy to reach to to do above and beyond a pint and a curry isn't going to do that what is going to do that is knowing that where i follow or where i lead is recognized for me and when you start asking those questions you have to then say what motivates me then because surely i'm worth more than a pint and a karaoke night and a beer and a curry i'm worth flexible working i'm worth uh, remote working. I'm worth flexible holidays. I'm worth private healthcare. I'm worth child vouchers. I'm worth bring my child to school, bring my child to work because she's got a sniffle and I don't want to take an annual leave. That's what's motivating me. Therefore, that circle starts of I'm going to be trusted to be myself. I'm going to be trusted to be authentic. So yeah, I've seen that shift because no longer do people say, pay me an extra 10 grand a year and I'll be a better worker. No, 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 no. Make me a better me, and I will make your company better. Hmm. 
Really good. And are you seeing, you know, obviously in the corporate world, it's plugged a lot well-being and mental health, and there is a focus on it. A lot of a lot of the companies are now really focusing on on that and helping their leaders. Have you seen that being pushed in the corporate world? Sort of alcohol-free being part of the well-being and mental health. I've certainly seen mental aspect. health and well-being being taken extraordinarily seriously. This is not a it's not lip service because more and more people are engaging with consultants and coaches and mentors. You know, I belong to uh, a couple of government initiatives where people and small businesses are coming to upskill themselves. Yes, I am seeing it. The difficulty is how do we deliver motivational quick wins without hedonistic associations? How do we get a team together outside the office to show and boost morale without doing it by getting people pissed really quickly or giving them a hedonistic experience. We're off laser questing or we're going to do a bungee jumping or, you know, it's very difficult. And I think that's the transition that we're going to struggle with. How is it when we flog people for, in the corporate world particularly, people are pulling 13-hour days, they're travelling a lot, they're spending a lot of time away from home, a lot of time away from their families. How do we then cram in on top of that something that people are going to find rewarding worthwhile and motivating because that takes more than a quick win that takes more than two hours after work that takes more than us at four o'clock saying right guys let's log off early and nip down the nag's head and that's where corporate world are really going to struggle why because clients traditionally uh, are are wooed or in the environment of a, a, a immediate relaxation to create immediate results mm. I think it's, I mean, what I've seen is is the same. It's it's interesting because there has been a shift in terms of doing more alcohol free events, such as let's go chocolate making or let's make yeah. some, you know, alcohol free cocktails or you know that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. But but if you go to conferences, if you go to certain um, events then red wine, white wine, water is really what's on offer. And so there does need to be a shift, I think, in that industry, in the sort of conference industry, uh, events industry, when it comes to looking at alternatives. Um, And I think that's a society-wide thing. Yeah. I think that if you look at statistics in the news, I think it was on listening to the radio two or three days ago, and they're saying 400 pubs a month are closing in the UK. Now, that's not because people aren't going to the office. That's because people want something else. Mm. You know, people want something else other than that environment of a pub. And listen, I am not saying I used to run a pub and own a pub, as you know, cost us a fortune. But I'm not saying that this this institution of pub is wrong. I'm saying it's changing. I'm saying what people want from this environment, what they want from the high street, what they want from relaxation is changing. People will go to a restaurant. We do it. We go to a restaurant. We'll spend 80, 90 pounds on dinner and have some still water and that's what people want so i think that it is going to change but society is going to change it Mm. the same argument is you know teenage pregnancies in the 80s were sky high they're now almost zero you know young people drinking now probably not Mm. you know are more young people learning to drive absolutely not less and less and less because the world is small and public transport's getting better and we Uber our way around. Mm. So I think society will dictate it. For our generation, people listening to this between sort of 35 and 50, that's the tough, that's the tough transition. That's mm. the one that, you know, my 80-year-old parents had to make between landlines and mobiles, between com- home computers and work computers. That's a huge transition for people. And it's cultural. Mm. And that's where corporate world and people generally in industry are going to have to work really hard. Mm. Yeah, really good points. Well, listen, that's this has been a really interesting conversation and great to chat to you. Um, thank you. So thank you for thank you for being on and um, being so open and honest with your experience. <laughs> it's a um, pleasure. I, well, you know, why don't you just sort of say if people want to get in touch with you from a sort of leadership coaching perspective how can they do that 
Sure. Yeah, they can get on the website, www.eagletransformationalcoaching.com, or you can email me at admin.eaglecoach. No, admin at eaglecoach.business. So you can advertise it. And listen, it's really important that people start to be comfortable with saying I don't necessarily get what I want from continued professional development within the structures of work and I would encourage anybody to reach out to any sort of mentorship coaching consultancy outside of that work environment so that you can start to ground yourself you know the people I've met in the business I've started in the last few years have been incredible and continue to be incredible and we'll all make that change by being vulnerable and reaching out to what you do and what I do and what thousands of other people do in helping people overcome little obstacles in life that make them better and better every day. So yeah, I'd love it if people want to reach out and continue the conversation. I'm here. Great. Thank you. And so hopefully we've shown you that um, one thing I did want to mention just before I, I, I know I keep saying it's nearly the end, but one thing I do want to mention before the end is you can't change anyone. You can only change yourself. And for me, I just want to highlight this. I, and I'm hoping Nicholas will agree with me, I had no say in when or how or if Nicholas would stop drinking. There was no way, even if I wanted to, I could have made that decision for him. And with this sort of thing, you do it for you. Your job's not going to do it. Your wife or husband or partner, spouse is not going to do it. Your children are not going to do it nothing is going to do it other than you wanting to make that decision. And so if you have a niggle or a nudge or a feeling that actually potentially taking a break from alcohol for a, a little while could be beneficial, then go for it and see what happens. But please do not force yourself on anyone or judge anyone or try and get someone to change because it's never going to happen. So you have to make the decision for you and then everyone else will make their own decisions. But hopefully you'll be able to inspire them along the way as well. So thank you again, Nicholas. And Thank you um, very much. I will speak to you soon. Yes, I shall see you downstairs. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Thrive Alcohol Free podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe so you get alerted every time I drop a new episode. I'd love it if you could rate, leave a review and share this episode. Feel free to tag me on Instagram at Thrive Alcohol Free and follow me for daily tips. If you'd like to work with me, I offer one-to-one coaching sessions and have my signature Thrive Alcohol Free Society group coaching program. If you are not yet ready for coaching, I also have a self-paced online course, which is a companion to my book, A Cocktail of Clarity. All the links are in the show notes. When it comes to making a decision around drinking, I want to leave you with this quote from C.S. Lewis. There are far better things ahead than we ever leave behind. I will see you in the next episode. Have a wonderful week. Take care.